Good morning once again and welcome. My name is Craig Thompson. I'm the senior pastor here and it is our privilege to have you with us. So thank you so much for being with us as we've gathered together to worship the Lord. If you have your Bible, we're going to be in the book of Acts once again. Acts chapter 9 and we will be in the book of Acts uh, from now until Advent. So if you just want to keep a bookmark in your Bible and we get to the Christmas season, things are going to get a little bit different for us. Um, you can be praying for that. We're trying. Our goal is, is to really combine uh, some uh, significant outreach efforts and opportunities with our um, Christmas uh, celebrations. So y'all can pray for us as we move toward that end. As you're turning, just a couple of housekeeping announcements. Um, uh, there is an ESL meeting right after this, so don't forget that. Uh, there's a lot this week. I know that Adam mentioned it, but let me just clarify. Parents, um, next Sunday is Children's Sunday. Uh, we need to, to do some just sort of rehearsal things with the kids. It's actually not that much that they need to do other than make sure that they're comfortable up on the stage and stuff like this. Uh, because things kind of got stacked on top of each other, we really need you to get them here. If your children are participating in Children's Sunday next Sunday, if you can get them here Wednesday at 6.15, that will be awesome. Because what's going to happen is our musicians are going to work really hard to get out of the way and do sound check early. And we're going to rehearse with our kids from 6.15 to about 6.45. And then we're going to kick them all out of here. And then we're going to have this big youth worship service that's going to happen in here. So you can see there's a lot going on. So uh, uh, if you would do that for us, I'd really help it. Other housekeeping announcement. Um, there, there's a lot of things that are out there. We, we now are really kind of, this is the first time in three years that, that schedules have been sort of pre-COVID normal. Um, we thought we were going to hit that last year, and then we had all the COVID all over again. So this is kind of where we are. So we're really busy as a church. There are a lot of things that are happening. There's women's ministry events. There's men's ministry events. Uh, there's youth events. There's children's events. There's all the things. In the midst of all that, we're trying our best to communicate more clearly with y'all. Um, but because there are so many things, you might notice that we've changed our bulletin format. Well, the reality is they won't all fit in there either. Um, so we're trying to communicate more, but the majority of our communication is electronic. Um, if you don't get your emails, let us know. But here's what we desperately need from you. Please open your emails when we send them. Um, that was supposed to be funny. Okay, thanks for the laughter. Now, please read them, okay? Um, I don't know if you have the privilege of having somebody come and say, I didn't know about that, and you say it was emailed out six times. Please read your emails. Um, we used to, I found a shirt a few years ago. I started to buy one for all of our staff, and it said, it's in the bulletin. And it has been for weeks. That's what I wanted to buy, but I didn't because some of y'all might have been offended. But um, uh, we're not in the business of offending people for that. But just please just read the emails. Um, if you're not getting emails from us at the church, okay, please let, not me, I will drop the ball. Please let us know in the church office. Call the church office or email um, Ginger or Autumn, and they will get all that taken care of. But please uh, just pay attention to those things. There's even a brand new one that came, started coming out just last week that gives you a look back at last Sunday and look ahead at this Sunday. So if you want to know what the offering was, we're going to let you know before you get here on Sunday. So all kind of great things. So please help us with, with that. All right. Now to the good stuff. Acts chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. We're going to read 19 verse. Matter of fact, we're going to read 20. Because uh, I, I want to pick up verse 20. I think it's really important for this sermon. So stand with me, if you would please, in honor of God's word. And I'm going to read to you from Acts chapter 9. If I can get there. Here we go. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. 
Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Don't you love it? And he says, who are you, Lord? Right? Worst question in all the Bible. Who are you, Lord? Anyway, and he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. Notice Ananias didn't say, Who are you? There's a difference there. Somebody's trying to get away. The other one's trying to serve. Some of y'all need to listen to that. Some of y'all are busy living your lives going, Who are you, Lord, while the Lord is calling you into his service? Keep going. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight. And to the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in, come in and lay hands on him so that he might regain sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus. And immediately... He proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. Let's pray together. Father God, I pray that this Son of God would be very real to us today. That the same Holy Spirit who came upon Saul would move among us, that we would be challenged and changed to share our story. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody loves a great makeover story, right? I love, I love, um, uh, have kind of always loved comic book movies. I've never been much of a comic book guy, but I liked all the X-Men movies back in the day, and I've enjoyed most of the Marvel movies, except for like the last few years when they're really just overplaying this thing, and they've gotten really terrible. But uh, early on, I liked it. But when it was all said and done, you've got all these crazy superheroes. Most of them were born with it, or there was an accident, and they had it, or they got bit by something wild. It's all crazy, except for really one. There's one that stands out as being a little bit different. It's Steve Rogers. Steve Rogers, of course, would become Captain America. But if you remember the story, Steve Rogers, you can just watch the movies, was just sort of a puny little guy who wanted to do good things and wanted to serve, wanted to serve his country, but he just didn't have the body. He had the heart and the mind, but he didn't have the body. So he was always getting beat up. He was trying to serve others, but basically everybody's like, hey man, we ain't got time for you. You're not what we're looking for. But then, of course, you know the whole deal, right? Series of special mad scientist experiments, and Steve Rogers goes from being an absolute nobody to being absolute everything to everybody. Super soldier, created by the hand of science. We like these makeover stories, especially when we see these great outcomes. We find ourselves with the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus. We have perhaps the most dramatic makeover story in all of the Bible. 
There's, there's little really in all of history to compare with the story that we find right here in God's Word. That a man goes not only from a persecutor, a man goes from being a persecutor and a murderer to being a saint, a disciple, and a missionary. We have a man who's sent to the very people that he was coming to kill. You imagine being Ananias. Lord says, hey, Ananias, I need you to go see this guy. And he says, whoa, 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 I've heard about him. I, I, I've heard about him. You ever walked into a situation, you introduce yourself, and somebody says, oh, I've heard about you. And you go, oh, oh, what have you heard? I was in a meeting a while back and uh, introduced myself. And she said, this lady, she said, oh, I've heard about you. And I said, what did you hear? Well, I work with some people who go to your church. I went, oh, okay, well, it can't be that bad, hopefully. Then I've thought twice about it. I said, wait a minute, who do you work with? <laughs> Ananias says, Lord, I know this guy. You want me to go to him? Lord, he showed up here with a warrant, a death warrant, to drag me out of wherever I am and take me to wherever he wants me to be and to do with me whatever it is that he wants to do. And yet it was this man to whom Ananias was sent that God had a plan for. I want to know this morning, what's your story? What is your story? Let me remind you, if you belong to Jesus, you have one. You have a salvation story. Your salvation story is pretty simple. Everybody can tell it. Who you were, what Jesus did to change you, and who you are today. I'm going to give you a, a hint if who you were and who you are today is still the exact same person, there's a strong chance that Jesus hasn't changed you. And today you need to be listening to the gospel that we're going to proclaim. But this morning, as you think about what your story is, I, I want to speak in two particular ways, or I should say to two particular groups this morning. We're going to speak to those of you who have a salvation story. We're going to challenge you to share that story with others. But the other group of people to whom we're going to be speaking this morning are those of you that don't yet have a story of salvation. There's not yet been a time when you have encountered God in a saving kind of way. But I want you to know that today can be the day of your salvation. This morning, the first thing I want you to know is that God sees you. God sees you right in your sin. Do you know that? Right where you are. Wherever you were yesterday or today, whether you were last week or wherever you'll be tomorrow, God sees you right there in that place. God sees you where you are. But the difference between you and Him is God sees also where He's taking you. He's not content to leave you right there where you are. God sees the place where He is getting you to be. Are you the kind of person who visualize something before it's done? Some people can walk into a house and they're, they're house shopping, and they can walk in and they can say, oh, this place is just a mess, but I know what I would do, and I can do this, and I can do this. Some people aren't that way. Angela can't visualize very well, so if she's thinking about repainting a room, she's going to get one of those little samples of paint and smear it on a wall somewhere, and then she's going to look at it for a little while, and that helps her to visualize what it would look like. I was very grateful. Recently, she found some kind of stick-on paint sample, so she's not smearing paint on the wall. She just sticks it on there. It's a beautiful thing. Some people don't have to do that. Others can just walk in and it's just boom, there it is. We purchased our home that we're in right now and there were several things that we wanted to get done to it. One of the things was it just didn't have a front yard. It was completely covered in, in, in woods and bushes and shrubs and all those other things. And it was relatively easy for me to see exactly how it could lay out, but, but she just couldn't grab the vision 
for what it was going to look like. And, and finally she said, look, if you and Brian tell me it'll be fine, it'll be fine, and I don't care, just whatever's going to be. I said, baby, there's going to be grass here and grass there and everything, but great. God sees you not only as you are. God sees what he can do with you. God sees the place where he can take you. God knows the changes that he can bring. Some of you are so busy looking at the stained carpet and faded walls of your life that you can't imagine that God would be able to do something with you. Folks, the Bible teaches us that when God saves us, when God enters our life and forgives us for our sin, that he gives us a brand new heart. He gives us a new name and he gives us a new future, a new direction. God desires to do that in your life. When he saw Saul, now let me just clarify, listen, Saul is Paul, Paul is Saul. The names are relatively interchangeable. Throughout this sermon, I'm confident that I will mess up and I will say Paul instead of Saul. I'm talking about the same person, just so we're all clear, okay? I want to make sure we're, we're all on the same page. God didn't just see this murderous man breathing threats. God saw a trophy of his grace that he could utilize to carry the gospel to the Gentiles and beyond. This is what God saw. This is what God knew could happen. God sees you right where you are, but he knows where he can take you. Folks, that should be a little bit encouraging for all of us. That God sees us right in our mess, but he knows what he can do with us. But let's be careful. God doesn't take sin lightly. God sees you in your sin, but God doesn't coddle you in your sin. He calls you out of it. God confronted Saul in his sin. Did you notice that? Saul's just walking along on his way to handle his business. His business, literally, is to go and arrest people and drag them away because they are worshipers and followers of Jesus Christ. And on his way there, the Bible says that the Lord appeared to him, confronted him, literally got up in his face and blinded him. This is what God did. And then God, sort of at least figuratively, right, says, Why are you persecuting me? Confrontation is not a sweet word. It's a bit aggressive, but that's what God did. God confronted Saul in his sin. Sin is an affront to God's holiness and an affront to God's governance of the world. Folks, when we choose to sin, and that is what we do, we choose to sin. When we choose to sin, in so doing, we say, God, you don't know what's best for me. I know what's best for me. God, you leave me alone and let me do what I want to do. Now, of course, we have Saul, as I made reference to, confronted by the Lord. And what did he say? Lord, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? The most ridiculous question in all of God's word. But there's so much truth right here. Saul was willfully and willingly ignorant of the Savior that he was persecuting. Willfully and willingly ignorant. What does that mean? Saul knew who Jesus was, but Saul did not want to worship and honor Jesus for who he was. Saul was content with his position of authority. Saul liked his life. And here's what Saul knew. If he gave his life to Jesus, his life was going to have to shift and change. Some of you are living your lives willfully and willingly ignorant of Jesus. What I mean by that is you continue to pretend like you don't know, but deep down in your heart of hearts when the Lord confronts you, you're just like Paul going, Who are you, Lord?
Not only are there those around us who are willfully ignorant, there are those who us, of us who are followers of Jesus who have grown so nice and sweet and kind and scared and worldly that we are unwilling to confront people in their sin. Folks, as image bearers of God, we need to be willing to confront people in their sin just like the Lord is. Now watch, confronting someone in their sin does not mean convicting them of their sin. The Holy Spirit has the job of convicting of sin. That's not my job. It's not my job to browbeat you because of the decisions you make in your life. It is my responsibility as a follower of Jesus to be faithful to God's Word and to live in accordance with that. Part of our faithfulness to God's word means that when the when the response or when the, the situation confronts us, we've got to be willing to confront sin. What, what keeps us from doing that? What keeps us from being willing to confront sin? Now, again, what's the difference between confront and convict? I don't have to jump up and down and scream at you because of the decisions you've made in your life. I don't have to preach at you every opportunity that comes my way. But when the opportunity does present itself, I've got to stand firm on the Word of God and speak the truth. I have to be willing to do that. As followers of Jesus, we need to speak the truth. And we need to speak the truth about sins that are comfortable and uncomfortable. Well, what sins are comfortable? Let's just be honest, folks. We all know which ones they are, right? The sins that are comfortable are the ones that we struggle with. And the sins that are uncomfortable are the ones that somebody else struggles with. Isn't that right? Isn't that the way that works? It's real easy for me to point out the speck in your eye when it's not a speck that I struggle with, but I somehow missed the log in my own eye. So the Bible speaks of sins of sexuality, right? And some of us are really good at talking about the sins of homosexuality without being so comfortable to speak about the sins of, of sexuality that move beyond that, like fornication, sex outside of marriage, all these other things that are a part of the sinful aspect of God's Word, or the sinful um, nature of humanity that God's Word speaks about. Like we're willing to talk about that sin, but we don't talk about pornography because that gets too close to home and scary. We talk about those sins, but we don't talk about materialism because that one's comfortable and we like to coddle up with it. We don't like to speak about gluttony because we live in America and we have access to 4,000 calories every single hour. And yet the Bible speaks about it over and over and over again. We don't like to speak about gossip because we would rather do it than talk about it. But God confronts us in our sin, whatever the sin is. He confronts us in it. And there's an expectation. Confrontation doesn't always mean conviction. That's not my job. I just have to speak the truth. Lovingly, as often as possible, but speak the truth. And then trust the Holy Spirit to His Word. See, God sees us in our sin. God sees us where we are. God doesn't coddle us in our sin. But, but watch, part of the sympathy that we have towards those who are in their sin, part of our sympathy is shown when we call them out in their sin because of this. We can only be okay with the Lord because God calls us out of our sin and into a relationship with Him. Does that make sense? We can be okay because God doesn't call out sin to leave people in their sin. God confronts people in their sin to call them out of their sin. 
But it's actually more than that. What if God confronted you in your sin, called you out for your sin, and then left you shackled to your sin? See, the incredible thing is that the Lord calls you out of your sin and then, ready, makes a way for you to escape from it. See, that's the incredible thing. He breaks the bonds that hold you there. So God sees you in your sin. The second thing we see this morning is that God has made a way for your forgiveness. God's made a way. What is that way? We know it, right? On Calvary's cross, Jesus Christ died so that we might live. We, we know the way. The way is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The way is wrapped up in, in God's word as we read that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. But the free gift of God is what? Is salvation in Jesus Christ. That Christ died so that we might live. In Christ, God has made a way for you to be right. In Christ, God has made a way for you to be right. Now, now look. Not right in every argument you have. Not right in every conversation. Guys, not right every time you disagree with your wife. Sorry. But it's bigger than that. He's made a way for you to be right with Him. For your relationship with Him to be made right. Do you ever stop to consider the great blessing that is forgiveness in Jesus Christ? If I steal from you, then the only way for our relationship to be made right would be for me to reimburse you for that which I stole. Matter of fact... The Old Testament said I'd have to do a little bit more than that. i gotta, I got to actually add to what I took from you to make it right. But the reality is the only way that I could be made right with you if I stole from you is if I restored to you that which I had stolen. If I tried to restore the relationship. But God actually made the way for us to be made right with Him. See... The Bible says that you are dead in your trespasses and sin. And without Christ, you are an enemy of God. And yet, as his enemy, God made a way for you to be put right. In our sin, we can't repay the debt we've accrued. But God loved the world in this way, that he gave his one and only son. That whosoever will believe in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Do you understand that God was the actor in this? We're trying to reiterate this over and over in this Sermon this morning, that's why your sermon study guide begins with God, God, God. Because I want to make sure that we're very clear. The story that you have of salvation is a direct result of the actions of God on and in your life. God has acted to bring about the forgiveness of your sins and to bring about the restoration of your relationship with Him. God has made a way. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me. Saul was on his way to Damascus to persecute, to potentially kill, definitely to arrest and drag away the followers of Jesus Christ. How in the world could God confront him in that situation and bring about restoration? Look, it's not just that God has made a way for you to be right. Watch this. God orchestrates the events of your life to put you into places where you can hear the gospel. God orchestrates the events of your life to put you into places where you can hear the gospel. Saul was on his way to Damascus. This is, this is, it didn't occur to me actually until today. I don't know how I'd miss this. Two weeks in a row though, God has saved somebody in the middle of the road. Y'all see that? That's what we've looked at here. Back to back passages of scripture. God saved somebody in the middle of the road. Next time you see somebody stopped on the side of the road, we probably should stop and share Jesus with them. There's something exciting happening in the middle of the road. He's on his way somewhere. He hasn't arrived at the place where he was going, but God was going to confront him before he ever arrived. God orchestrates the events of your life to get you into where he wants you to be so that you can hear the gospel. God confronted them on the way to their destination. Consider God's work. 
Why did God meet them on the way? Because God had a plan. Now, God's plan wasn't Saul's plan. As a matter of fact, God's plan was to interrupt Saul's plan, wasn't it? Saul's walking along. Skirt. Here we are. God speaking, screaming, whatever the word is. What we know is that it messed everybody up. All the people around Saul know something's going on. They hear a voice, but it's only Saul who really gets the whole picture. And the whole picture he got was just straight blackness because the Lord blinded him in that moment. Something that jumped out at me today, that is he went on his way, approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. Where's the other place we see this suddenly a light from heaven shone around? It's in the Christmas story, isn't it? Because we got all these Advent things coming up. I've been living Christmas my whole life here lately. I sit in my office and I listen to Christmas music and I try my best with it being 100 degrees outside to write Christmas lessons for y'all. And so I've been living in all these Christmas passages for a couple of weeks. And I'm reminded that the glory of the Lord shone around them. What Paul encountered here is the glory of the Lord, the light. The Bible says that when the shepherds saw that, they were sore afraid in the King James. They were terrified. Folks, when they encountered God's holiness and God's angel armies in that place, they were scared to death. Folks, when Paul was confronted by the Lord Jesus Christ, I don't want y'all to get this idea that he got confronted by a big teddy bear. Paul thought his life was dead. He was over. He was finished in this moment. And so his what? His fear betrayed his logic, didn't it? His fear betrayed his feelings. All of a sudden, his fear spoke truth. Who are you, Lord? Folks, sometimes our fear will get in the way of what we're trying to control. This is why people get really, really serious with their lives and really honest when things start going really bad. This is why when we get to visit somebody in their waning hours of life, they're ready to be really, really honest because whatever lie they've tried to live with fades away. When they're confronted with the reality of death in front of them. In this place, Saul was suddenly no longer ignorant. All of a sudden, he knew exactly who Jesus was, didn't he? He didn't call him Jesus. He said, who are you, Lord? He knew. Who are you, Lord? Remember, what is this Lord? This is a word, kurios, a Greek word that was substituted for God. This is what he's done right here. God, I am right here. Do with me as you must. Do you know that God has you here today and he has you in this place to encounter him and his word? Look, God orchestrates the events of your life to put you into places where you can hear the gospel. It's not an accident that you're here. I feel like I say this a lot. The really cool thing is there's so many of y'all visiting over and over and over again that uh, even though I say it a whole lot, that I, 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 I can say it again. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want to know why. Why don't you have a relationship with Jesus? Honestly, what are you waiting for? I had a friend who had studied the Old Testament. He said, I just want a burning bush experience. I just, if I could just see one burning bush, I think everything will be different. Why would you put God to the test? I... I I've grown to understand and appreciate and be amazed and marvel at the way that God works. And one of the incredible ways that God works is this. Often, the Lord brings people into this sanctuary to hear a sermon that has been precisely and specifically created just for them. And I had no idea you were going to be here. 
A lot of times the Lord will create situations, and I don't even know what's going on in your life, but the Lord brings about a sermon, and it is just geared right toward you. Listen, if you walked in here today, and it seems like I'm preaching right at you, I want to tell you something. This sermon was prepared about eight months ago. This sermon was planned in January. If you walked in here today, and this sermon is hitting you right between the eyes, I want to make sure you leave here understanding that the only way that could have happened is for the Lord to have worked back in January to plan this message, that he could have worked today to bring you to this place, and that he could have worked 2,000 years ago to create the writing of this word so that it would all come together in a perfect situation where you would be confronted with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here's what some of you are going to do. What a coincidence. Folks, the only thing that would be coincidental would be for you to be able to explain away all those incredible things that God has done to bring you to this place to hear this message for this purpose so that you might be changed with the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not only would it be a coincidence, it would be a heartbreaking coincidence. A heartbreaking turn of events that the Lord would confront you on your way to wherever you were planning to go today with this message of hope and that rather than be changed, that you would leave the same. God's made a way for your forgiveness. And finally, this morning, God has a plan for your future. You're not an accident. See, it's no accident that you're here today. He's got a plan. But, but watch. Ananias was pretty nervous about this ministry assignment. We kind of addressed this early on, right? Ananias is nervous. That's an understatement. This man's terrified, right? Remember, followers of Jesus, especially early on, these were, were, were not exactly well-respected folks. This is probably not like the... the uh, the principal centurion of, of, the, uh, of the area, fully armed and ready to confront Saul in this moment. This is like little wimpy preacher Ananias, right? This is just little Ananias out there with no clout, nothing to back him up. This is Saul coming with the full force and credibility, the high priest gifts. He's probably got access to guards, soldiers. This is who Saul is. And God says, Ananias, I need you to go and, and see him. And Ananias is like, why don't you go see him? I mean, honestly, this is one of those weird, scary things. Another one of those crazy situations where the Lord has called Ananias to do something that is seemingly insane. Two weeks in a row we see this, don't we? Not only do we see somebody confronted in the middle of the road, two weeks in a row we see the Lord calling somebody to do something that seems to make absolutely no sense. He said, Philip, I need you to go down to the middle of the desert. I'm going to do something when you get there. With Ananias, he said, I need you to go. The only part of this statement that Ananias must have enjoyed was the last part where the Lord says, I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. And Ananias says, oh, okay, you got me. I'm on the way. Lord, why didn't you lead with that one? I would have been there if you had told me this guy was going to suffer because he deserves to suffer at this point in time. The Bible says that Ananias shows up. But he shows up to let, God, let Saul know that God had plans for Saul. His plans weren't just how much he must suffer. Go back and look. He says, what? Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. Y'all, God has a plan for you. The plans that God has for you are not 
the plans that God had for the Apostle Paul. They're not even the same plans that God has for me. But that shouldn't be discouraging. God has a plan for you that is form-fitted for you. In, in, in our individualistic society that so much wants to stand out, folks, it should really be mind-blowing to consider that the God of the universe has a plan, personalized plan, just for you. Any of y'all ever join one of those gyms that gives you like a personal trainer? You know, and they give you an individualized fitness plan? Now, if you get, listen to me, if you're paying $12 a month and they gave you an individualized fitness plan, it's the same one that the guy beside you has. I just want to let you know that, okay? Just, just FYI. That's fine as long as you do something. But if you've ever had one, you've ever had somebody create one for you, they, they need to know all kinds of things about you. First thing they want to do is put you on a scale. How much do you weigh? What are your fitness goals? And then they ask, I think, what is the most intrusive, an inappropriate question that anybody should ever ask. What do you eat during the day? That's none of your business. Right? What day? I'm really good on Mondays. Tuesdays are fine. Wednesdays I finish with church. It takes every ounce of self-control that I have to not eat three bags of potato chips when I get home on Wednesday nights. The best thing that happens for me on Wednesday nights is if I get home and there are no potato chips in the house. And then I don't have to worry about eating all of them. Okay? Because gluttony is a sin. And so what do I do? I just stay away from the temptation. You with me? Well, God doesn't give us a personalized fitness plan, but God has personalized plans for each and every one of us. For you. There is something that God is calling you to that nobody else can accomplish. There is somebody that God's calling you to that nobody else can reach. Now, for the Apostle Paul, he says, He is my chosen instrument to carry the gospel to the Gentiles and beyond. The Lord says, This is the one, Ananias. I get it. You're scared. I need you to get over your fear. Trust me and obey. Get to work, Ananias. Look, Ananias was not God's chosen instrument. To go to the Gentiles. Do you see this? Watch. Some of you go, well, I want to be Paul. Why can't I be the guy? Imagine if there's no Ananias. Who's the guy that led Billy Graham to Jesus? You don't know his name, but you know who Billy Graham is, don't you? Folks, you might not be the guy or the gal. You might be the gal who talks to the gal who talks to the gal who leads that person to Jesus. But God has a plan for you. Oh, so often we're just sitting around going, whoa, it's me. God's got a job. Folks, it's time that we start looking at what's ahead. Watch. So Ananias departed and entered the house. And laying his hands on it. Can you imagine? Like, you, you might have been afraid to put your hands on somebody. But imagine, like, this is the guy who was sent here to kill you. And, and he's blind, so maybe you're feeling all right, but you got this, this thought that you're fixing to make him not blind anymore. And there's got to be something inside of Ananias that's going, am I doing the right thing or the wrong thing right here? This guy's blind and can't do anything right now. If he gets better, who knows? I mean, I know what the Lord said, but at some point Ananias decided, I'm going to trust the Lord rather than trust my own flesh. He lays his hands on him, and it wasn't until that moment... 
When Ananias laid his hands on him, spoke God's word, prayed over him, the Bible says that the scales fell off and Paul was able to see again. Watch, Saul couldn't see his future until God told him what it was. In his blindness, Saul could see images of his past, but in Christ, he could see the future that God had planned for him. Some of you haven't given your lives to Jesus today because you can't see what's around the corner. All you can see is what you've done in the past and you can't believe that God would have something for you. Can I tell you that some of you are not going to have the blinders fall off until you surrender to Jesus. You're not going to be able to see the future until you take one blind step forward. And then in that moment, the Lord is going to open your eyes to that for which He has prepared you, created you, and called you. But watch, wasn't all peaches and cream, was it? Remember, Saul wasn't just the instrument for the Gentiles. He was also going to be shown how much he was going to suffer. The plan that God had for Saul involved shipwrecks and beatings, near-death experiences. He's not the only one of God's saints that have had to live that kind of experience. Job suffered. Elijah suffered. Jeremiah suffered and prayed, Lord, let me out. We can appreciate Jeremiah's honesty. Because at one point, Jeremiah says, I want to walk away from this. I'm done. See, we, we get into these weird things. You ever been a part of a, maybe a, uh, a commissioning ceremony for a pastor or, or a, an ordination service? And, and they quote that passage from Jeremiah where he says, But the word of God was like a fire building up within my bones and I had to let it out. It's, it's sort of a misapplication of the verse. It's kind of like when you go to a wedding and they quote from the book of Ruth, Where you go, I'll go, and where you stay, I'll stay. If they do that at a wedding you're at, just stand up and leave. Seriously. Like, or, or just stand up and say, hey, that was about her mother-in-law. And, and ladies, if you're thinking about doing that, remember this. If your husband's like, hey, I think we ought to put this in the sermon. Better yet, men. If, if your wife, future wife, says, I want this to be a part of our wedding vows. I want you to remember, here's what happened. The men died. Okay? And Ruth looks at her mother-in-law and says, I think I'll be your new daughter and just go wherever you want to go. Listen, if she wants that included in the wedding vow, she's planning to kill you and go hang out with your mom. <laughs> Proof text me, all right? Check my, check, check my homework. We get to this passage in Jeremiah and we got these preachers that are like, it's like a fire burning within my bones. And I know that feeling, but here's what I don't want. I don't want the rest of Jeremiah. Because the rest of that passage was this. Jeremiah says, I don't want to do it. I don't like doing it. My life's miserable, but every time I tried to quit, Lord, you won't let me go. The message you gave me is hard, and it's not enjoyable, and the people around me hate me. But when I shut my mouth, Lord, it's like a fire burning with inside me, and I have to either let it out or I'm going to be burned up with it. And yet, even in the midst of that, these people found joy in serving the Lord of glory. Because, folks, when God calls you to something, He will walk you through it. We sang this morning the 23rd Psalm. Let's never forget that He doesn't just see us in the valley. He leads us through the valley of the shadow of death. He takes us into that place sometimes. 
He doesn't leave us there, but He takes us there. He walks with us because sometimes there is work to be done in the valley. The Lord called Paul to do some very hard things. I want you to be understanding of the fact that if you're willing to pray and ask God to save you and to change you and He pulls the scales from your eyes, what He may reveal to you is not all pretty. You may have to spend some time in the valley. But you'll never spend that time alone. God has a plan for your future. You're not an accident. There's a future that you can see. But then finally this morning, I want you to see this. I I don't know what's ahead for you in Christ. But you have a future and a hope and a story. And I want you to live out the story that God's given you. You say, why would Paul do this if God said you're going to suffer? Do you remember what I told you that he encountered on the road to Damascus? The Lord, the glory of the Lord shone around him. Do you remember that? We have the similar wording that we have in Luke chapter 2. This light shone around him. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. When you experience the glory of the Lord, you can't help but be changed. This man went from persecutor to preacher all because he, you ready? Perceived the Lord as he was. Paul was unwilling to suffer for the God that he had created in his mind, the God that he had imagined. Some of you are unwilling to suffer or serve the God that you have concocted in your mind, but that idol will let you down if you perceive, if you encounter the Lord of glory. You'll find yourself willing not only to serve, but to suffer for His glory and for the good of others. What are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? Ananias shared with Paul. Then what did Paul do? He got up and he was baptized. No time to whine or process. So three days he's been blind. Three days he's been sitting there. Some of you have been living three days or three weeks or three years in spiritual darkness and blindness. Some of you have been living confined by your sin. And yet today, the Lord sent me here to remove the blinders from your eyes so that you might behold this King of glory. The Bible says that when Ananias shared with Paul, what did Paul do? He got up and he was baptized. He got something to eat. He hung out a couple days. And then it's important that we get to verse 20. The Bible says immediately. Now this is Luke writing this, but it sounds a lot like Paul or Mark. You remember when we worked our way through Mark and every, it seemed like every other word in the book of Mark was immediately, immediately, immediately. You finish the book of Mark and you're out of breath. It's like a sprint through there because everything that happens was like boom, 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 boom. Here we have him. He's been blind for a few days. He's not eaten for a few days. Things are a little bit raw, a little bit weird. And the Bible says in verse 20 that immediately, read it, immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues saying he is the Son of God. Paul is the greatest theologian and missiologist that the world has ever known. He gave us the book of Romans and the book of Ephesians, which are rich and deep in theology. Let me give you a hint. He did not have those books written yet. Paul had not worked out all of his theology. He didn't understand everything. He couldn't at this point have given us Romans chapter 8 and 9 and 10. Those things were not given to him by the Lord. He hadn't processed all of that. What did he have? He had his story. 
He had his story. Some of you are trying to wait till you get it all figured out before you start telling somebody about Jesus. And I'm here to tell you, if you wait, you'll never get there. He told his story. And he told God's story. And it was enough. Why was it enough? Because when Paul walked into a synagogue and said, Turns out I'm not here to drag anybody off to prison. Turns out I've been wrong all along. And Jesus Christ is the Messiah and the Son of God. And he's changed my life. It turns out the story of a changed life was enough to get the attention of people around. What's your story this morning? Do you have a story? I, I, I mean, we all have a story. Where you were born, where you grew up, where you graduated high school or college. But do you have a salvation story? It's appointed for man to die once and after that to face the judgment. You see, the reality is we all have a story, and it can be summed up in, in one of two words. We're either saved or unsaved. We're forgiven or we're not. You, you don't get to live in this in-between place. None of my kids get to answer the question of, do you belong to Craig? Are you Craig's child? By saying, well, I kind of am and I kind of am not. No, they are. You got it? Like you either are my child or you're not my child. There's not an in-between. Some of you have been trying to straddle a line and say, well, I'm, I, I guess I'm kind of a Christian. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? My prayer today is there's some of you that hear why are you ignoring me? Why are you resisting me? Why are you clinging to your sin? Folks, I want you to be reminded that God sees you right where you are, but He doesn't coddle you in your sin. He's made a way for you to be forgiven. He has a plan and a future. But you can only realize that future this morning if you're willing to repent of your sin. And call in the name of Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. So we're going to be very plain and clear. Two invitations this morning. Number one is this. If you don't know that you belong to Jesus Christ. In other words, if you've lived in this in-between limbo. You can't be kind of Jesus' kid. You either are or you're not. There's no sort of Christian. There are believers and not. There's forgiven and not. Now the great thing is that he's made a way for forgiveness. And the promise of his word is this. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Every single one. So here's the great news. Today, you may have walked in here as an enemy of the cross. Dead in your trespasses and sins. Having spent your entire life ignoring God. Resisting his cause. Maybe you've sat in church services like this before. And you heard similar messages and you just shut your Bible or you shut your brain and you just said, I'm just not going to do that. I'm not ready for that. Today can be the day. 
Some of you have sat in a pew today or a chair and you've looked at your past and that's all you've seen. And today needs to be the day that you turn from your past, you turn toward Jesus and you trust the future that he's got laid out for you. You've not sinned so far that Jesus can't reach down and pick you up and take you home to be his. If you don't really understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus, do me this favor. We stand and sing in just a minute. If you would like to be a follower of Jesus, but you're not 100% sure what all that means, would you come this morning, let me pray with you, and let me give you somebody that you can talk to? You don't have to leave here going, well, maybe I am or maybe I'm not. You can leave here a child of the King. Would you come and be saved today? Would you come and be set free from your sin and your shame and your pain? Would you come today and discover what a relationship with Jesus looks like? That's the first invitation. The second one, it goes to those of you that belong to Jesus. And it's simply this. Will you tell your story? You say, Craig, I don't have it all figured out. What if they ask questions I don't understand? Welcome to the club. It happens all the time. But it doesn't happen every time. I get questions that I can't answer sometimes. But you know what? People are still open to hearing. The story of how God saved me. The story of how God can save them. They're not mad when I don't have the answers. But they're thrilled to death that I cared enough to share. What's keeping you on the sideline? Paul was talking about Jesus before he wrote Romans. Paul was talking about Jesus before he wrote Ephesians and Galatians. Paul was talking about Jesus when he was still trying to gain back the weight that he had lost fasting for three days while he was blind. Paul was still talking about Jesus when people were terrified that he was going to kill them. You see that? Paul was talking about Jesus when everybody else thought that he was an enemy of the cross. What's keeping you away today? Remember that woman at the well? You remember her? All the husbands... All the immorality, all the things, all the messed up stuff. And Jesus, I tell you what, you get your mess together and a couple years from now you can tell people about me. That's not at all what he did, was it? Jesus meets her there in her shame, in her sin. He offers to her salvation and he says, why don't you go tell somebody that you met me? See, Jesus has never been ashamed to call you his friend. And he will never be ashamed for you to tell somebody about him. Whatever it is the Lord's working in your life, for goodness sakes, please don't forget this. He has orchestrated the events of this sermon and of your circumstance, of your situation, of your schedule. He's orchestrated all those things to bring us to this place. What if Saul had said, I'm not going to listen? What if Ananias had said, Lord, I'm not going to go? Don't let you be that person today. Come today and experience all that Christ has for you. Let's pray together as we stand. Father God in heaven, we love you and we praise you and we thank you for loving us. Thank you for the story of Paul's dramatic conversion. Well, God, I thank you that it's a reminder there's nobody here, Lord God, who has sinned themselves out of access to gospel salvation. Father, be at work in Jesus' name. Amen.